This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. This week, as we look forward to the resurrection, we want to talk about some of the passages in the New Testament that were early attestation to Jesus' deity, to his death, to his resurrection today, leading up to Easter Sunday. One of the things that we want to mention is the idea that a lot of times when we're talking in the culture about Jesus or about the resurrection, people will tend to remark or respond with, well, I don't believe the New Testament to be true, so I I don't really want to talk about that with you, or I don't believe the Bible to be true. One of the things that we can do and respond to people, Mark, as we're talking to people, is raise the question regarding the historical accuracy of ancient documents, right? Yeah. I mean, we can just ask the question, why don't you believe it to be true? Yeah. You know, do you believe it to be a historical book or do you believe it to be ancient mythology or what? what is it exactly that prevents you from being able to have the conversation? Because Craig Bloomberg says this about the Bible. He says, The amount of scholarship that has been produced in the last 45 years internationally that supports the historical trustworthiness of this or that portion of the Bible has grown exponentially. So what does that mean? Actually, the Bible is the most supported in historical sources of of affirming and saying that it is a reliable document that we can look at and study. And so if someone does question in that, one of the responses you can, or one of the questions that you can ask is, well, why do you hold the belief that you do? And then maybe just say scholars that are Christian, scholars that are non-Christian, believe this to be a historical document. So can we look at it in light of it being a historical document about whether or not the events and facts of of history have taken place. Luke writes in his account, he says, I'm writing to you this historical accurate account to Theophilus, trying to explain that this account that he's writing, he really believes is true history. So we want to talk about those things. But I say those things up front just to springboard us into the idea of confessions, summaries, speeches, some would even call them creeds that were made in the New Testament. And as we talk about them, I just want to assure the fact that the Bible is reliable. And so we can look at these statements in reliable documents and see what exactly did the first Christians believe about deity, death, and resurrection? And was it a story that was fabricated over time? Or was it something that eyewitness accounts proclaim very early, right after the cross? Can we see that those statements are clear and true about the writers writing them in the New Testament? I think it's important that we think about the reliability issue just for a a moment for people because I I think they do stumble there when they start a conversation and, and somebody immediately says, well, I don't believe the Bible. And, and, and I know they stumble there because just in, inside the church setting, uh, when you're 
in in a small group you're discussing scripture or somebody begins to share well you know I, I have a I have a friend and I was telling them about my church or I was telling them something that happened at, at church and and they make the comment um, well I, I don't really believe the Bible and then I don't know what to say <laughs> they think they think that's the end of the conversation and so just the fact that you're reminding us that many of the New Testament books by people who are secular scholars, non-Christian scholars, they go, oh no, these are historical books. These people are written, these books were written by real people that believed the things they were writing, and they they wrote believable accounts, and no one has come along to try to discredit or disprove the accuracy of this work. And so it's well attested to by scholarship, both Christian and non-Christian. And so having that little piece of information can help the average believer feel confidence to just go forward in their conversations with people and say, well, but so what do you think about the Bible? Or do you realize that even non, non-Christian people think these books of the Bible are accurate and it says some things about Jesus? What do you think about that? It lets them at least go on and go, oh, I can still talk. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I like to use in my classroom is the acronym ICE. Mm -hmm. I standing for internal consistency. I mean, there's there's an internal consistency in their message. Mm -hmm. C, a changeless text. The text has not changed. We can look at the Dead Sea Scrolls and see that it hasn't changed over time. And then E for external sources like Tacitus or Lucian or or Josephus would attest to some of the accounts that we see in the Bible, who yeah. who would be considered non-Christian, right? Yeah. So if you want to go further and look further into that, I know we're not going to talk specifically about that today, right. but it's something that you can look at and study further to encourage that conversation if that becomes such a stumbling block that you can't move forward to talk about other things. However, right. you make a great point in saying, you can establish, hey, there are historical books, this is why, and so you can move forward in the conversation regarding you know, what exactly they were talking about and confessing, especially coming up on this Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, because a lot of the confessional statements we find in Scripture, um, the things that we would refer to as confessions or creeds or summaries of doctrinal thoughts in the New Testament, um, they center around the Resurrection. Uh, they they are places that the early church was systematizing their belief system. They were putting together summaries of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and and so those statements were opportunities for them to um, give praise to God in their gatherings. Um, in in church, growing up for me, uh, we would have moments uh, of responsive readings where the pastor or worship leader would say a portion of scripture or a portion of a song and the congregation would respond in verbalizing that. Uh, You have traditions of catechisms where people are teaching, here's a question, who is God? And you give an answer with biblical support. The Bible tells us this. uh, that's what they were doing in these confessional statements we find in in the letters of the New Testament. So these historical books contain summaries of what Christians were believing and then confessing publicly uh, in their worship gatherings at their moment of baptism. Many of them think they would quote these 
these statements before they were baptized. It's how they made their profession of faith. I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. Yes. And so those are found in the scripture. And and many of those are talking specifically about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and his deity. Yeah, and the undisputed books, just to note them, that we can look at are Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, 1st Thessalonians, Philippians, and Philemon. And so I know we're going to look at a passage here today in 1st Corinthians 15. This is a book by Christian scholars and non-Christian scholars that both attest this is a historical, reliable book regarding what Paul is writing to the Corinthian people. And it's going to talk about the death, deity, and resurrection I, I want to, before we read that passage and, and think about something that's said there, I just wanted to make the comment that um, uh, in in the thinking of, of creeds, some people back away from wanting to talk about uh, holding to a particular creed or being a person that, that uh, attests to creeds um, because some have used the creedal idea to to replace or equate scripture. So man's creeds, thinking in particular about the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, those that came historically after the New Testament was completed, um, they some want to say, well, the creed is just like the Scripture. And really what we're talking about is summaries of faith. And so those we find in Scripture are scriptural, and we ought to hold to those as Scripture regardless of what you call them. But what we understand is it was it was a tool they were using much like a creedal or confessional statement would be used today. And so I just want people to think about that as well, kind of in a modern context. Well, and I think, too, we also need to recognize that in that time period, people were mostly illiterate in reading and writing. Yeah. And so there were only about 10% of people that read and wrote. So they were using these summaries or confessions or speeches or creeds, whichever word you want to use to describe these particular points in passage. They were using these to pass on these teachings of Jesus, deity, death, and resurrection, just Mm -hmm. very much like we use the ABCs to teach about to teach young kids about yeah. the alphabet. Yeah. I mean, someone starts singing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and kids can pick it up. They don't have to read or write to yeah. be able to know those statements. So one of the passages that um, is usually attested to as one of these types of confessions or summaries that uh, the early church, and by the early church we mean the Christians broadly, n- not a particular place, is found in... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, and it's it's verses 3, 4, and 5 in particular, they think out of 1 Corinthians 15 are a creedal type statement um, where Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Um and uh, most most biblical scholars look at that and go, when Paul says, listen, I'm about to tell you something, and then begins to say, uh, 
Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he was raised, it's according to the scriptures, that that was something the early church had been taught, part of that oral tradition as as the apostles and then the the teachers and evangelists began to travel and establish churches. The early Christians were being taught these things. They didn't deliver the Bibles like Gideon's. (laughs) They didn't have that. Uh, And in many cases, the, the apostles or or the teachers and pastors and elders of the local congregations didn't have full scriptural context, but they had pieces and parts of the scripture, and they had what they were being told. And what's really significant is the dating of all of these things and how close together all of this is occurring. Because one of the arguments is, well, they began to believe this resurrection idea. They began to believe Jesus' deity because over all of this time passing... They made up that part of it, and people began to to then believe these made-up mythological pieces to the historical stories. Yeah, that's exactly right, because 1 Corinthians, we attribute the date in the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. But this, he's saying, listen, I received this. I'm passing it on to you. It was of first importance, and, and in this text, you see that... In the style of Paul's writing, when he's using proper names in this particular passage, he's using non-Pauline writings. And this makes me think of the way that I write as a, as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a student. Sometimes I'll be writing, and you can tell my writing apart from me putting in someone else's quote. Right. And, and that's significant here. Mm-hmm. So they they can tell that this is not Paul's writing. This is some sort of quote that's taken. So he, he's got this information that he's received very early on. In fact, they think he probably received the creedal material during, during his first trip to Jerusalem. It states in Galatians 1, 18 and 19. Then the three years later, I went up to Jerusalem, became a to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Mm-hmm. And so they could have passed this on to him, which puts the date very, very early. This would have been after his encounter on the Damascus Road. Yeah. It, it, it could be in the late 30s, right? Right. Yeah, probably within four years of the resurrection. <laughs> so it wouldn't yeah. have had time to be fabricated like you see Bart Ehrman say that over time this fabrication of Jesus' deity happened. No, right. it's right right here. Yeah, yeah. The, the, early, the early dating of that and the understanding of the fact that they were, they were systematizing their faith quickly and early and, and doing it as Paul writes this to Corinthians, there's still apostles living that could have said, that's not what we told him. That's not what was said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were Christians that had been in, in Jerusalem at the time of the resurrection that would have been observers of the actual events that, that could have discounted what was being said. As, as, as you pointed out, Paul's not saying, I'm saying this. Paul is summarizing this is what Christians believe about the death and resurrection. And just the writing of those verses with the, the book ending of according to the scripture, according to the scripture, it comes across, like you say, it doesn't sound like Paul's writing, and it comes across with this kind of limerick approach 
of, of almost, this is something that's easy to memorize. Uh, you know, it, it, it has a pattern and it has a rhythm, much like we would use in teaching and training people to memorize things. Yeah, and people would have taken these particular confession summaries, they would have made hymns to them, they would have used them in the church, as you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And we see that even today, right? Yeah. Because people, artists, will take particular scriptures, and I, I was thinking, of the one earlier when we were talking, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. Right. It's a song written by Phillips Craig and Dean. Right. And you're, you're singing along in that song. Well, if you know the passage of Scripture, you can think back and go, oh, this is a confession of God's Word. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they very much were eyewitness accounts who were able to declare the deity, death, and resurrection very early on yeah. and pass that on to a, to a community who was mostly illiterate, and they were going to learn through these ways of teaching. Yeah, and, and teach them the central things, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, this is of first importance. And, and so we're going to teach you the essential things. And I, I think that's critical as you think about just the idea of creeds as well. When when you think confessionally about the faith, you're summarizing the essentials. Uh, you, you don't write creeds about the things that we may differ on or have liberty in. You get to the essential stuff. And so this is of first importance. And he deals with the burial and resurrection, which are the evidences of his deity. Yeah, and you know, Mark, they attest that it's written in the 50s as well. Mm-hmm. When you look in Mark 6.16, 6, they think this is another confession. Mm-hmm. And it's wrapped up in that same idea that you're talking about. It says, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him implying this empty tomb, right? Yes. And what do we do on Resurrection Sunday? We all the time are making confessions. In fact, you'll see all over Facebook, all over Twitter, what will you see? He is risen. Risen. He is risen indeed. He was crucified, buried, and raised again. I mean, you'll see all these confessions, and we can relate with that in the sense of what they were doing, except... They were eyewitnesses to it. Right. They were willing to suffer yeah. and die for something that they knew their eyes did not deceive them in. But not just eyes. We talked about hallucinations last week. Right. Not just eyes, but touching, eating with Jesus, mm-hmm. speaking with Jesus. I mean, there was a physicalness that there is a physical resurrection. Yeah. And, and that's critical, the resurrection, the idea. It, it's a physical body. It's the real body of Jesus. It's a glorified form. We get that. Things He did things after his resurrection that we don't see our bodies do. But it was physical. He ate with them. They touched him. He talked with them. They were able to recognize him. And, and that's another place that resurrection gets denied. It's not, it, it wasn't real or it wasn't bodily. Uh, they they saw some spirit form or whatever, and so uh, that that's important. And and again, the early Christians were solidifying the argument: we believe this, we believe in this resurrection. 
and not the idea of a resurrection. They were talking about, the, because of the close timing, the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And so as we, as we think through that uh, going into Easter Sunday, uh, you can't help but think about resurrection. But we believe the resurrection because it's biblical. We, re- we believe the resurrection because it's been told to us and taught to us. And, and it's recorded in Scripture. And part of what's recorded in Scripture are these early uh, statements, professions of faith from the early, early believers that were saying, we, we know Jesus rose from the dead, and we're claiming that as, as our truth claim and what we stake our life on. And it could have been denied then, and it wasn't denied then. And they could have given up under threat of persecution and death and said, no, we didn't really see anything, we didn't really believe it. But they didn't. They truly believed, and and they were willing to take it to a martyr's grave. And so that should give us confidence today. As you said, when we're posting, he is risen indeed. It's not just a statement we're grabbing off a, a postcard. It is something that we know by by man's blood this is this is true and so we hope that you'll be in a in a church this sunday where you can celebrate with other christians the resurrection of the lord jesus christ just as it happened according to the scriptures